Some of you have asked how you can help us. While most of us would say, we want wine. <sighs> Italia Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs the moolah. You can donate through Patreon or GoFundMe by heading to italianwinepodcast.com. We would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Welcome to another episode of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Each week, she travels to incredible wine destinations, interviewing some of the Italian wine scene's most interesting personalities, talking about wines, the foods, as well as the incredible travel destinations. Okay, welcome to another episode of Italian Wine Podcast on the Road Edition. And today we are here with a very good friend of mine. Her name is Marilisa Allegrini. Of course, you know her from um, Allegrini, everything that has to do with Allegrini. But today we are actually in Montalcino because she has also an estate in, uh, actually she has two estates in Tuscany, one in Bulgari. And here today we're in Montalcino. Ciao, Marilisa. Ciao, Stevie. So tell us where we are. Can you contextualize where we are exactly? First in Tuscany and then, of course, in Montalcino. Yes, so we are in the municipality of Montalcino and we are in the beautiful hill of uh, San Polo, which is one of the historical part of the Brunello di Montalcino appellation because we are very close uh, to the winery that uh, started to make Brunello di Montalcino. And we are at an altitude of 450 meters facing Mount Amiata and uh, Castiglione d'Orcia on the other side, and then on this side, Castelnuovo dell'Abate. So, um, Marilisa, I mean, why in the world did you decide to come to Montalcino? I mean, wasn't, was, w- weren't you busy enough working the, you know, the winery, going all over the place, trying to promote your Allegrini wines? You know, at one point of my life, after I developed together with my brother, uh, the Allegrini company, uh, when my father passed away, when I was, uh, we were quite young, and so it was a big challenge for us to carry on his uh, job in a successful way. And one we felt uh, very comfortable, we decided to invest uh, in Tuscany. And the first stop was, uh, or the first step uh, was um, Bulgari, uh, where we founded um, Poggio al Tesoro, starting from scratch falling in love uh, with the Tuscan area in general. And then I think that uh, Montalcino was uh, uh, another challenge, but uh, it was a company that was already existing. So we didn't start uh, to found the company, but uh, we started developing a company that uh, already exists. And that was set in the best way because uh, uh, the vineyard were there, the beautiful uh, guest house, uh, and also the winery. 
And uh, mm, I think that for me was very interesting to deal with these uh, two different uh, wine producing areas. One with the international grape variety and Montalcino very focused on the native grape variety that is uh, Sangiovese. So when did you come to, um, of course, the name of the winery is, first of all, San Polo. 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 Yes. Not Polo. 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 One L. Stevie. Polo. Okay. San Polo. <laughs> I'm going no. to have nightmares. San, San Polo. No, you still use two L. San Polo. Bravo. Okay. <laughs> A little Polo. bit better. Very soft <laughs> with the L. So uh, when did you come to the San Polo? <laughs> I arrived here. It was uh, November 2006. And then uh, one of the uh, the, uh, the previous owner decided uh, that uh, they want to sell the company. And so I fell in love with the location. And uh, I came the first time with our agronomist from uh, Bulgari. And uh, he said, Marilisa, remember that in Bulgari we have uh, a microclimate that is very similar, but in Montalcino it differs a lot. And it differs according to the altitude, because with a different altitude, you can have different ventilation, different soil, different exposure. So I said, San Polo is located in one of the best parts of Montalcino. And this was the first reason why I decided to buy the company. And the second reason was the winery. The winery is built according to the bioarchitecture. So it was a very advanced concept um, some years ago, 15 years ago, almost. So, you know, it's crazy windy here today. We, um, while we were waiting for you uh, with your winemaker, Ricardo and Claudia, we went up to the hill and it was so windy. We made a TikTok, you know, about like surfing, windsurfing. So tell us a little bit about the microclimate here. First of all, the altitude. And, of course, the different areas that you have. What is so special about the soil, about the typology of this area? Because you said it was so special, right? Yes, yes. Altitude is important in Valpolicella mm. for the native grape variety that we have, Corvina. And the same thing is here. Altitude is very important for the Sangiovese. Uh, when you go to the valley floor, you have clay soil. When you come up to the hill, you have uh, more um, galestro, so more chalk and uh, limestone. And uh, this is good for the Sangiovese. And it's good because uh, um, the upper part of the hill where we are... Uh, how, how high is it, the altitude? This is 450 meters. Mm -hmm. So uh, throughout the different uh, eras and the different uh, earthquake that happened, the upper part of the soil was the first that emerged from the sea. So the top soil is very, uh, there is a lot of calcare, mm -hmm. less uh, clay, and so you have very good drainage. And good drainage means that uh, the vines uh, look for water, so the roots uh, absorb the different minerals, and I think that the result is... Uh, that we have very good minerality in the wine. Are you 
enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and Other Stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. The, you know, the, the water here, do you have enough of water? Because the rainfall is such an issue all over the world yes, right now, especially uh, in Italy. You know that uh, Montalcino, until a few years ago, uh, didn't, uh, was not possible to uh, irrigate. irrigate. But uh, in summertime, we can have a rainstorm that uh, start from the mountain Miata. And so maybe we can have rain here. So in the recent year, we experienced that that is a blessed area also in terms of uh, the rain that we can have. So and do you, are you, do you have like a possibility to collect the water when there's so much water? And we need uh, to dig and we need uh, to... Say, like a well? So. Yeah. Yes. But uh, so far we didn't uh, do this. So we have uh, natural uh, rain. And one thing that uh, is an advantage is that we have old vines. So the old vines already develop a very deep uh, roots. But when you say old vines, how old are your old vines? Uh, some of the vines were planted at the beginning of 80s. Some uh, were planted in the early 2000s. And we have only one part that was planted very recently by us because we took away uh, the red grape variety that were not Sangiovese. We are, in terms of reds, 100% Sangiovese. Yeah, I mean, um, Marie-Lise, I feel like that's so radical. Like, why did you make that decision to do 100% Sangiovese? Because I recall I was here, maybe like, I don't know, like 10 years ago. I can't 10 remember. 10 years ago? Maybe. And we had also... Yeah, you also had some international... Merlot for, for, and for, Cabernet... Frank, and it was something that we didn't plant. It was planted by the previous owner. Mm -hmm. but um, And you were making wines with... Um, yes, we have uh, an entry-level wine, which is Rubio, mm -hmm. and is an IGT, and for this uh, is allowed to use, uh, of course, it's an IGT, and so you can use the grape variety that uh, you want uh, according to the kind of philosophy that uh, you have. But uh, together with... Uh, Ricardo, Ricardo Fratton, our enologist, we decide that uh, this uh, uh, place must be only Sangiovese mm. because Montalcino demand for Sangiovese, but also I think especially in this beautiful location. All right. So let me ask you a question, something a little bit more personal. So you're a Veronese, right? Yes. You bought your this winery belonged to other Veronesi. How do how were the uh, what do you call the people from Montalcino? Montalcinesi? No, il cinesi. Il cinesi. Il cinesi. Like like, like the, the Chinese? <laughs> no. No, no, scusa. No, no. Wait. People il... from Montalcino is called cinesi? Il cinese. One, One word. word. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> it just sounds like a bad Italian. It's like the way I speak. No. So, okay, the for the name. record, for our audience, let me just 
Make that correction. People from Montalcino are called Il Cinese. Yes, Il Cinese. What? What? Single? That's so funny. Because is the uh, historical name that mm. come from Il Cinus, I think is the Latin name, yeah. but is the Mount of Lecce, the Mount of uh, uh, the Lecce. Lecce is the vegetation that you see here in uh, Montalcino and That's il, so funny. il Cinus come from. Uh, okay, anyways, my question was my original question was um, how did the Il Cinesi um, <laughs> embrace your, um, your presence here as a winemaker, a foreign winemaker, if you will? Very well. Very well. I was I was very welcome uh, to the area. So I so a little different from from Bulgari. More yeah. welcoming here. No, also Bulgari. I yeah. was very welcome. So so what are the um, what were the main challenges and what what are the main challenges uh, compared to Valpolicella, for example? What like the the similarities and the differences? I guess that's what I'm asking. In specifically, perhaps to the most representative grape, uh, Corvina from Valpolicella, and here Sangiovese, obviously. At, at the beginning, the main challenge was to uh, understand that uh, you don't have to introduce uh, your knowledge, uh, your Valpolicella knowledge, to the different uh, territories. So. At uh, the beginning, you have to study, you have to understand uh, the difference, you have to understand the terroir, you have to understand the different climate. Mm -hmm. And so this was a very, very good exercise for me. And it was an exercise that, uh, from which I developed uh, synergies, but uh, was also very inspiring. Because uh, you can learn from... Uh, your tradition, mm -hmm. and uh, so my tradition, of course, uh, is uh, Valpolicella, but uh, you can uh, uh, clean your mind from what you learn and start from scratch, start from the grape variety, the different terroir and the different vinification process to give the personality of the different uh, wine producing area. So we uh, walked around the vineyards and, of course, visited the cantina with your um, winemaker. So now we're going to taste some wines of with course. you. Okay. So give me kind of an overview. How many labels do you have in terms of the production volume and where the wine is available? Export versus Italy. Okay. So Give, me, said, give me an overview. Okay. So okay. I said before that we have uh, an entry-level wine, which Rubio. is Rubio mm -hmm. and is NIGT. And then uh, it, also this was a very long process because at the beginning we only had two wines, Rosso di Montalcino and Brunello di Montalcino. Mm -hmm. And in some vintages uh, we were able to produce Riserva. And then uh, starting from 2015 when I started working with Riccardo, but also I became the uh, only owner of the company. So we identify the different uh, plot giving the specific uh, personality and then we result the, the, this process uh, resulted in two 
aspect. One was that we were able to become organic. So, to work. so you're completely um, certified um, organic. organic. Yes, yeah. as you can see right. from... We started the process in 2000, in a very challenging year, mm. 2014, which was an extreme vintage because it was cold and rainy. And so we said to ourselves, if we were able to manage the vineyard in the organic way in the 2014, definitely we have to go in that direction. And so we, uh, from 2017, we were able to have the organic certification. But uh, let's go back to 2015 when we identify the different part and we introduce uh, the concept uh, for San Polo of the single vineyard. And so one vineyard was uh, dedicated to the production of Podernovi mm -hmm. and another one was dedicated to the production of Vigna Vecchia. So now we have three different Brunellos. One is the mix of the different vineyard or blend of the different vineyard and then Podernovi and Vigna Vecchia. And again, every two, three years, we also produce uh, uh, the Reserva. So in total, how many labels? You have Rubio, you Rubio, have Russo, Russo, Brunello, Podernovi, Podernovi Vigna Vecchia and uh, Reserva. For joining us on another installment of On the Road Edition, hosted by Stevie Kim. Join her again next week for more interesting content in the Italian wine scene. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. You can also check out our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, to watch these interviews and the footage captured of each location. Chin chin!